Um, I'm always a bit skeptical of the term serial entrepreneur. It sounds like you just spent your whole life failing in entre entrepreneurship, starting one venture to the next. Um, but that's, I'll take it as a compliment. Thank you, Jess. I guess, you know, building startups has been my thing, right, for the last 20 years. Um, and when you're doing entrepreneurship and building startups, those in the room that are entrepreneurs, it's not for the faint-hearted, and you need a, a good lick of bravery with every venture and every day. So I spent 20 years in China, um, living in Beijing, and I can tell you that there was endless pitfalls, endless challenges, and what we used to call for entrepreneur mates, endless crevasses. And one thing you learn pretty quick is that you can't step across a crevasse. You need to leap across it. And to leap always took a bit of bravery. I want to take you back when I was 25 years old and I started my first venture. So at the time, I was actually running an abattoir, of all things, in Yunnan and Kunming uh, in, in southwest China. I used to go to work at 10 p.m., uh, and then there'd be the abattoir at night, and I'd leave at 6 a.m. It was the most soul-destroying job of my life. I was there for six months, and I got a phone call from a friend of mine who I'd previously worked with in China. And he rang me up and said he's acquired this fitness center in Beijing. And he didn't know how to run it. And it was based in the middle of the foreign student university district of Beijing. So Beijing has the most universities in the world, 52 universities just in Beijing alone. There are over a quarter of a million foreign students that would come and go in, in, that, in that area. So this is right in the hub of that in 2000. In, in 2000. Um, I jumped to the chance to get away from slaughtering pigs to go and hang out with fun, vibrant foreign students was just complete contrast and very, very welcomed. When we got to the gym, it was in disrepair. There were 75 members. And over the next three years, we just stuck at it and managed to build it to 1,000 plus members. And we ended up going into our second gym. And that was like a big breakthrough for me because my first venture was actually working. And as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of doubt, a lot of self-talk about you're not going to succeed, it's, you know, it's going to fail, you're going to lose all your money, all these things. So we're actually killing it, and it was, it was amazing. And I just started to think, actually, I've got a knack for this. I can do this. And I'd always been mentored by my partner. He was a Chinese guy, um, and he was like my mentor. He was very good at Chinese gong fu, what they call wushu in China. Um, and he really was this kind of Mr. Miyagi-type character in my life. Um, so that was going gangbusters. We opened the second gym. We invested a lot because we'd crushed the first one. The second one's going to work again. And it was. Three months into the venture, SARS hit. And this is the days before COVID, before we knew anything. And we're in the middle of Beijing. And Beijing was the epicenter. It was the Wuhan of COVID-19. And so within two weeks, 95% of my clientele bolted from China. Foreign students got the call from the parents, I've booked your ticket and you are coming home. It wasn't a conversation. So we just opened up, dumped a whole lot of cash into this, had two gyms and we were just stranded. I can remember walking up to the doors on the first day um, when they'd finally closed it and the government shut down all gyms because you were sweating. And there was a chain around the door, a security guard, and he said, I said, I'm coming in, I'm the owner. And he said, you're not coming in, and we'll let you know we can come in. 
And that was the end of that venture. So for the next few weeks, I was trying to get my head around it. Um, and the majority of people were leaving. And I've got friends in the room here who were actually there during that time. And everybody was leaving. A couple of wild characters were turning up at that time. Um, but it was mass exodus. The locals were leaving. Chinese, the Beijing people were trying to get out. I mean, it was just like, get out of Dodge, right? People getting locked up. If you coughed in an elevator, you get dragged out. You're put in hospitals for two weeks. If you literally coughed in class, just horror stories, right? And I remember thinking like, this is like, you know, some kind of zombie apocalypse type scenario. Um, but what really freaked me out was that was the time my partner turned on me. And Mr. Miyagi went after the business. And he was my mentor during my, you know, I was a foreigner, only, I was 25 at the time. And I remember just being terrified, looking at his eyes the day that he turned on me. And it was everything I'd built. And there was that moment where you realized, like, holy shit, this is about to get really real. And I'd been buffered in China for that time with companies and mentors and like, and your first reaction is to run. Get out of it. And China was pretty lawless back then. It still is, but it was a lot more lawless back then. And so anything could happen and you knew that. That was the, that was the table stake. Um, he tried to push me out and I learned that was a time I just stand on my own two feet and I had to grow as a man. It was my baptism into manhood. I was no longer a boy. I had to fight it out with a local, China style. Um, <laughs> and I managed to pull the fight back to New Zealand. He had interest in New Zealand. I managed to pull the fight back to New Zealand. And I can say I won. I got my money out of the business. And I took that. Very small amount of cash. It wasn't a lot because the business was pretty buggered by this point with SARS. But it was enough to start to think, do I want to stay here and do something else? But at the same time, I had my family freaking out. Get home, get home, get home. I can remember vividly on the phone crying to my stepmother saying, I am home. This is my home. I've been here for five years. My friends were here. My business was here. My dog was here. What's home? It was the first time I realized China was my home. And so it was at that point I decided to stick it out. And I was going to see it through. So I used to sit in this cafe. And in China, there's a, the word for crisis is called Wei Ji. Wei means perilous. Ji means opportunity. The Chinese see crisis as a time of opportunity because everything's changing. And so I remember looking and all of the, everybody was leaving Beijing, including the landlords, oh sorry, the owners of the retail, the restaurants, the cafes. There was an opportunity. Once in my life, I could get A-grade real estate in Beijing, dirt cheap, because the landlords were freaking out, right? So I decided to stay. I found this cafe, shitty little space, moved my apartment down to this cafe, Strung up a hammock, me and my dog used to sleep there at night, and we decided to make a go of it. I found this uh, other likely lad in Jeremy, my business partner, um, who was also a brave soul, uh, and Lucy, who was another uh, local Chinese girl I'd known for many years, who was kind of safe with the finance. 
And we decided to do it. But this time I was the, what they call in Chinese, the laoban, which is like the, you're the, you're the entity. You're the owner of the entity. So it's kind of terrifying, you know? You've kind of just been screwed by your partner. You've got SARS and chaos. But here you are about to step up to be, you know, the owner. Um, so we went for it. And what started out as a cafe turned into effectively a refuge for foreign students in Beijing at that time. And they just came and they en masse because it was the only place to hang out in West Beijing. You know, West Beijing, about 8 million people. Um, and so they would come and Mentor Stars a Cafe and ended up just, they wouldn't leave. Like, not leave. So that hammock got a lot of use from me because I'd close up about 4 a.m., kick the last guys out, get some kip eye, and then at 7 a.m. you had the guys coming for coffee, right? So we ended up getting rid of the lock. There was effectively no door. It was always open. And it was a 24-hour joint. It was that way for 12 years. Um, I think because it was, you know, it was called the Embassy of West Beijing, but there was an amazing crowd that started, the ones that decided to stay in Beijing. That was the, 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 the core crew, the DNA. And then when the foreign students came back four months later and sales was kind of passed on and, and everything was okay-ish, everyone started coming back and we were an institution. It was the place to go. And I can tell you, it ended up being for that way and it's been going for 20 years. It's still going now, going strong. I've sold out, I sold to my team. Proudest day of my life is selling to my team. Amazing feeling. Um, and they've now built their whole lives around that. So for me, it reminded me that when SARS took everything, it's the adage that the, the darkest, darkest hour is just before dawn. And I often tell myself that when I'm going through troubles at business. But that moment of bravery created so much goodness for me. And I know other people um, who are part of that, that journey. Many of my best friends I met at Lush, including three here tonight, Pat, Alex, and Scott. Love you guys. Uh, a financial foundation for me for 15 years. And most importantly, I met through Lush, uh, the mother of my children, Carrie. Um... They say fortune favors the brave. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of say fortune, the bravery favors, sorry, it's fortune that bravery favors is that of a full life and of rich experiences. That I'll agree. Bravery lets you explore the far reaches of a worldly existence, the ecstatic and the soul searching. Next time, you catch yourself consulting your fears and not your hopes and dreams. I pose this question to you that Kerry posed to me a few months ago when I was having doubts about our home birth in Waikiki. Welcome to the rock. <laughs> I'm guessing half this room was probably born home birth. Um, and I was second guessing it. And she said to me, she said, let's not ask ourselves, what if it goes wrong? Let's ask ourselves, what if it goes right? Thank you.